If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome to the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything and everything they like, just not sports. Today, on a very special episode, we are going to rock out with our jock out. That's right. We're going to live out a lifelong dream for me and Adam and Gareth by dialing up MTV icon and legendary comedian Bill Bellamy to break down one of the all-time greatest creations ever made, the Rockin' Jock B-Ball Jam. Oh, what a way to end the year. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. We're taping this around the holiday travels this week, so you're going to hear from Adam, our fearless co-host and sports media strategist, in a minute for our epic interview with one Bill Bellamy. On the phone right now, joining us before then is a well-traveled, Emmy-winning sports producer, Gareth Hughes. Gareth, how are you, my friend? Good, guys. Happy New Year. Uh, Nice to be doing this, taking some downtime right now. So I hope everyone's enjoying their holidays. Oh, we are enjoying it. This is I'm not lying. This is like a dream come true, talking rock and jock with someone who is in the game. Uh, Gareth, man, just I – mean, well, it's tough. You didn't have cable growing up, did you? I was about to say, of all the interviews I was going to miss, this is not the most inappropriate for me because I, I watched a lot of cable in your basement because I didn't have it. So rock and jock means more to you than it does to me. And similarly, there's a lot of holes in my 80s movies, uh, 80s movie knowledge that you don't have. So Yeah, I certainly rotted my brain on cable TV during the 80s and 90s. So thank you, Mom and Dad, for that. Also with us in the studio, Joe Reed, our producer. Joe, how are you? And do you remember Rock and Jock? I'm doing great. I, uh, I got to be honest, I, I do not remember Rock and Jock. I think I'm uh, just too, a bit too, young. Yeah, just a bit young. For the people, yeah, who, we've, I think we've established that Joe is a child, and so he yeah. would not have enjoyed the rock and jock of our era. We need a nickname that evokes childhood for Joe. So maybe it's producer Joe the Problem Child Reed or Joe the Ooh. Menace Reed. I was gonna say Dennis the Menace, but we'll, we'll think of something. Sparkle Ponies, if you're listening, send us some tips, send us some ideas for a nickname for Joe Reed. Just remember, he is 12 years old, and we are employing him illegally without a work permit speaking of our listeners speaking of the beautiful and unique sparkle ponies who listen to the show and make us do this every week please continue to download us leave some comments on itunes it's very important to give us visibility on that platform and as such we want to do the comment of the week this week saturn guy 79 love the screen name love the use of saturn guy we're in this space we're down on earth and we've got a number, 79, probably the birth year. Doesn't even follow sports, he says, but he loves the show. And he's not <laughs> like he's not quite sure how he found us, but he's glad he did. So, hey, thank you for stumbling into the weird back corner of the internet that we occupy and leaving us a comment. We love it. And I'm talking about him as a, as a guy because, hey, that's what his screen name says. So if you're a lady, Saturn guy, could have fooled me. Gareth. If you're a lady Saturn guy, rethink 
your screen name. <laughs> Rethink a lot. Like listening to this show. Uh, speaking of the show, we want to every week we throw down the hammer to people to come on the show, publicly calling them out, embarrassing them because they haven't been on the show before. But really what we're doing is we're celebrating their love of certain of some kind of thing away from sports. So Gareth, who do you want to throw down the hammer to to end the year to to be coming on in 2016? Look, this one's a little tough. Um, you know, it, it, in the business, we sometimes joke about trying to interview somebody who is uh, kind of no longer living. And uh, the joke is always, what about interviewing Abraham Lincoln? Uh, well, he's a tough get. So <laughs> this would be a... T- Not for Joe. This would be a tough... Yeah, yeah. Uh, this would be a tough get for Just Not Sports. But honestly, uh, one of the things, one of the people that's always fascinated me in this space of somebody who is an athlete and then sort of defined themselves through a second life is the rifleman himself, Chuck oh. Connors, the star of the classic old Western series, The Rifleman. Now, he, he went on to a long and fairly distinguished acting career um, within a ton of different stuff. All that being after playing for the Dodgers uh, as a young man. So he was a professional baseball player, played for the Dodgers and Cubs, and then had a lengthy run as a tough, manly man's Western star, most famously in The Rifleman on ABC. So I would love to talk to somebody about Chuck Connors, um, he did some acting, as I'm reading right now, just looking for anybody. Like He did some acting with Sam Elliott and Sybil Shepard. So I'll throw the hammer down to Sam Elliott to come on and have a better voice than Adam and talk to us about working with Chuck Connors because <laughs> Chuck Connors is one of the most fascinating people I've, I, I can imagine. So, and he's, I think he is a pioneer for Just Not Sports. Gareth. Would you accept Chuck Person, also the Rifleman, to come on and talk about Chuck Connors from the Rifleman? God, what a missed opportunity uh, for me <laughs> in the hammer. Absolutely. That's why we work together. So, yes. One time, I know we don't talk about sports, but I was in Chicago with my family in like sixth grade during the Jordan heyday. First three-peat. Chuck Person... My dad was like, I was like, hey, can we go to the game? My dad was like, nah, it's too expensive. Forget it. Chuck Person kicked the ball into the crowd twice. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. I missed that. <laughs> Damn it. Never got over it. Uh, hey, speaking of attainable guests, Gareth, since yours is dead, I've got one that somehow is even harder. Alabama coach Nick Saban, who very famously hates the media and will never do this show. But here's the deal, Nick. Nicky, baby. You love oatmeal cream pies. I've read this. He eats an oatmeal cream pie, Little Debbie oatmeal cream pie for breakfast every day. Every day. Wow. We, in high school, we ate oatmeal cream pies by the dozens. We would go to Big Lots, buy entire boxes. We'd bring them to my football camp, also known as band camp. And we would just... That's true. I was in band camp. I didn't play football. We would pour them out, and eat as many of them as we could till we got sick to our stomachs. We called them hurl cakes. That's how much we loved them. We ate them so much we puked. Nick, you are a man who values determination, 
dedication and working yourself to the bone till your body just can't do it anymore. That's how I eat oatmeal cream pies by Little Debbie. Come on the show. Let's talk about it. Let's eat until we throw up, maybe. Hammer's been thrown down. Boom. I love that he is actually a tougher get than the deceased Chuck Connors. That is pretty funny. Oh, way tougher. Way tougher. <laughs> the uh, way the odds tougher. are higher that we will get the Rifleman than Nick Saban. If you've got someone you want us to talk to, email us, justnotsports at gmail. Send us a tweet on Twitter, at justnotsports. Right now, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with the interview that made Adam Zier, Bill Bellamy, Rock and Jock B-Ball Jam, comedy show like there, there's comedy there's really long shorts worn by marky mark there's halftime performances by the people who did who let the dogs out you cannot miss this interview we'll be right back oh now look here my boy it's about to start fill it my boy with the sound of your heart make it go boom Our guest today is Bill Bellamy. Bill has always been among Hollywood's most versatile performers. He's a stand-up comedian, an actor, he's been a TV host, and of course, many of our listeners first met him during his time as one of MTV's most charismatic and talented VJs. During Bill's time on MTV, he had a first-hand role in one of our all-time favorite things, the Rock and Jock B-Ball Jam. These were epic games that brought together Hollywood stars and professional athletes in ways that we think not only brought us closer to the stars themselves, but very much influenced sports and entertainment coverage for a generation to come. Bill, right off the bat, before we get into Rock and Jock, I just I really do want to ask you, in prepping for this, you are internationally credited credited with creating the term booty call. Is that something you take credit for, and is that accurate? It is accurate, and I do take credit for it. You know, it's really one of those um, funny moments in comedy history where you you do a joke, and it's so catchy, and, you know, people like it, and they, they repeat it to somebody else. And now, you know, booty call is just a part of our language, but it all started from that one joke in 1992 on Def Comedy Jam where I was just going for broke, young comic, trying to get on. <laughs> don't, you, don't you think that Tinder owes you royalties for creating yes. yeah, yeah, Tinder, Tinder, Tinder is really biting off. They're really biting off your boy right there. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're going to call. They're making it all easy now. You got to swipe it and stuff. I mean, back in the day, you had to make the effort. You had to actually call and get rejected. Now you just swipe to the left, swipe to the right. Wow. I mean, maybe back then you would get a page, and then you would reach into your pocket. Yeah, page. I had a $7 per month pager and in high school right. that I would then reach into my pocket, get out the change in my pocket, and walk to a payphone. Uh, those days are long gone, my friend. You had a pager for real? I had Bill, a pager in high school, yeah. Bill, did you have a pager? Yeah. Yeah, everybody had a pager in the 90s. That was like your way to be, you know, be a player. That was the way to be incognito and be unattainable you know you call my pager i get back to you you want to be the person that no one can reach you want to be the one who who decides right what, what right you want to be you want to be a little a little mysterious you know hit this number and i'll call you back baby but i found the technology technology hasn't changed that much because now before it was like oh I, I i never got your page and now it's uh i don't know what you're talking about i never saw that text so yeah right 
Things change. Right. Things, <laughs> things change, but they don't. Bill, I answer right. every text with new number, who this? <laughs> so that's that's what I do. Right. Um, that's Bill, awesome. New phone, who is this? Yeah. So in the 90s, um, you mentioned, you know, pagers, all this other stuff. It's fun and nostalgic to look back. That's kind of what we want to talk about with the rock and jock because I think this is a very special sort of category of sports meets entertainment and pop culture, and you were at the epicenter of it. How many games did you play in, or, or and how often do people ask you about the rock and jock? Well, I played in most of them. Um, well, Dan and Dan Cortez and myself, we were this sort of like the yin and the yang of that. You know what I'm saying? He was always representing one side. I was representing the other side. And we're both like alpha males talking. Sh- I mean, we were literally just talking shit the whole time, having fun. And we didn't know it was going to catch on because people liked us talking snap about each other. And, you know, he had his celebrity friends. I had my celebrity friends. And we had our teams. And what I thought, was really great about Rock and Jock was it was able, it was an ability for not only us as VJs to meet our stars, but for the fans who liked MTV, they got a chance to see the personalities of Derek Jeter or, you know, Alex Rodriguez or, you know, the King Griffey Jr. or Gary Payton or Kevin Garnett, you know, Buster Rhymes and Justin Timberlake, like all these guys, were a part of that, man. And it was so fun because they they got to be real people and have fun like everybody else. And I thought that came across. You mentioned Dan Cortez. In 1993, I broke this down on YouTube, you crossed him over so bad that all he could do was legit tackle you. And you looked really, you looked pretty <laughs> bothered by that, man. Can you break down that moment? <laughs> Well, it was it was just one of those things that I think Dan wasn't really ready for. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, I think it was just going to be too embarrassing for him to bear the fact that he got caught in the Matrix. So he basically, you know, tackled me, which I thought was <laughs> like, the Matrix. like, come on, man, just take it. Take it like a man. You know, you ain't got to tackle me. I'm already by you already. You know what I mean? But it wasn't no hard feelings, but I was just like, that is so, like, lame, man. But, I mean, that crossover, that's before Iverson. So, technically, you taught Iverson that move is what you're saying. Well, no, no, I'm just saying <laughs> mine was a little, mine was a rock and jock crossover. AI had the real deal. <laughs> what What was your signature move, and what's the best move you ever saw in rock and jock? Well, there was a lot of signature moves. I was always throwing, like, you know, really good passes, no-look passes to people. But I want to say one of the best rock and jock moments was when Gary Payton had, like, 175 points. (laughs) (laughs) Only in rock and jock. (laughs) It was absolutely stupid because he was – he had 75 points on our team. And then at halftime, he switched teams because we was winning so much. And he scored – he figured out he figured out how to get that thirty five point shot or whatever it was. He figured out how to get that thing in there and nobody could do it. He hit like six of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean that just speaks to the the crazy nature of the game and what I thought made it so brilliant for as entertainment. Because a lot of the MTV audience at that age 
was really still tuning in for the music and for access to the musical artists. And so you had this game that had to be different to, to retain their attention. So there were 25-point shots, there were 50-point shots, players traded teams. And, Bill, I, I felt like in watching the old footage, you like you said, you and Dan were sort of like the ringleaders of a lot of the, you know, not just the basketball, but like driving the entertainment and making it a, a, like a, a really interesting watch. Can you talk about the role you played as a comedian, knowing how to go beyond basketball and make it a little bit more of a spectacle? Yeah, well, we really, at the end of the day, it was a show, you know, it was right. more than a game, you know, it was a show. So we had to have a beginning, middle, and the end, and we needed to have performances, and we needed to have a bunch of laughter to drive the train. And, you know, the the best thing the best thing was the conflict or sort of the uh you know sort of the you know you know us versus them thing the violators versus the regulators whole vibe of us trying to win this year last year you know you guys won and we got our you know we're amped up I'm loaded I got all my guys and we just hyped it up so crazy that it was so fun to see you know Snoop Dogg out there and you know, uh, Coolio. I mean, we had everybody. So my favorite rock and jock moment was when uh, Sean Kemp attempting towards the end of the game to take the ball down court. Queen Latifah strips him of the ball, goes three-quarters court. I'm trying to remember that. I, I kind of remember that. <laughs> yeah, she goes three-quarters court and scores the layup. Now, it looked to me... Like maybe Sean almost handed it over to Queen Latifah. Can you verify that's true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know he let her do that. Are you crazy? That's the rain, man. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no question about it. No ifs, ands, or buts. He definitely. But that was the entertainment part of it. That's why I'm going back to that. That's what made it fun because we did moments like that that people really enjoyed. You know, taking the ball from Sean Kim. I mean, you know. That's what it, well, it was almost like the Harlem Globetrotters, you know what I mean? Yeah, Bill, that said, you had some good moments on the court. I mean, I remember one game you opened up hitting a deep three. Like, do you remember, was there a moment in the game that you felt like, damn, I nailed that, like I looked good on television with that move? Yeah, I, you know, I play basketball, so like for me, it was um, a way for me to actually not only show my skills, but also do to have fun with the guys that I admire anyway, like. I got a chance to play, you know, with some of the best NBA players from Penny Hardaway to Gary Payton to Sean Kim to uh, um, Mark Jackson. You know what I'm saying? I got played with these guys when they were really, really solid athletes. Too. So, you know, I, I lived I lived out a real cool dream with that, too. That was kind of fun. I mean, you seemed like you were having fun. There were some guys like Marky Mark who just looked like, they were trying real hard to show that they were more than just, you know, dancers. Who who took it too seriously, Bill? You could tell, like, Marky, Mark Wahlberg was really trying real, real hard. Yeah. You know, Michael Rappaport. Michael <laughs> Rappaport trying real hard. <laughs> he talked a lot of trash, Probably, too. Oh, he's the best trash talker, the worst athlete known to man. He still does. Uh, fantasy football is his gig now and on his podcast. Oh, I he's love I love Michael Rappaport. Yeah. But he's got to be the worst athlete known to man. Like, it's just absolutely <laughs> it's absolutely comical what he can't do. Who's, who surprised you as being a good athlete? 
you know what was actually shocked me? I want to say Justin Timberlake. You know, I didn't know that he could play and dribble and had pretty good handles and control of the ball. I thought that was actually pretty cool. Um, uh, what about Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh, no. <laughs> no. He had to stay, stay, stay with, stay with the movies. Nah. <laughs> I was talking about like, see, like a guy like King Griffey Jr., who's a baseball player, play basketball. I thought that was actually. Cool. Oh, there you go. Because you you just think you you just think of one thing when you, then you feel like, oh, these dudes probably played multiple sports in high school. What about Urkel? I think Jaleel White was out to prove that he was not the nerd next door. Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah, he was playing like he was Stefan, that's for sure. <laughs> you talk about all these great celebrities in one room together. So inevitably the question is the after party bill. Yes. Your nemesis Dan Cortez uh said in the Complex article that he was not allowed to tell that those stories. Now, Bill, I have bought How to Be a Player on DVD as well as Any Given Sunday. I've watched all your comedy mm-hmm. specials. I ask you as a favor, can you please tell us one after-party story? Well, I, I think back then what was absolutely cool was there was no social media. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you had an opportunity to hook up with somebody, it was not on TMZ, bro. So back then, I think there was a lot of collaboration. You know what I'm saying? There was a lot of hot young actresses and hot athletes. And, you know, once that liquor got involved, I think there was a lot of hookups, actually. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know verbatim one that happened, but I do remember a lot of dudes was trying to holler at Pam, Pam Anderson. I do remember that one. She was on fire fresh. She's right off of Baywatch right then. Yeah, in your complex article, I believe the phrase was "fresh out of the water." Um, so I, have, yeah. I would like you. <laughs> so celebrity moments. You saw Pamela Anderson in person in a non-sports related event in a in an interview with Janet Jackson. Uh, she gave you a big hug and a kiss on the cheek. Better moment: Pam Anderson at Rock and Jock, or the embrace from Janet Jackson. I think the Janet Jackson was really epic because I wasn't expecting that kind of move from her. You know, I was just meeting her at the time, and I didn't know that she was really, really a fan of mine at that time. So it was really, you know, innocent and sort of like, wow, you know, I wasn't ready. (laughs) You know, I wasn't in my how to be a player mode in that moment because I was kind of caught off guard. She just... (laughs) you know, laid up on my chest and everything on TV. I was like, oh, my God. If you look at the, if you look at the video, you see my face go, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually pretty cool. Bill, we, we've heard you and Dan have talked over the years about maybe bringing this back. I kind of feel like this is one of those generational things where if it was rebooted today, it probably would succeed because you'd have a whole new audience that's kind of seeing this in a new way. Where are those conversations? Do you think it has a chance to come back? And and Bill, can we help you? We we want this back too. <laughs> I think we I think we are we in the process of it. Dan and I have been working on it and figuring out how to make it work. I think it is absolutely uh, you know a doable situation. I think that that is missing 
in the entertainment, sports, sort of pop culture world, bringing everybody together for a good time, for a great party. I think in 2016 we're going to try to get it done. ESPN asked us about it as well. And it's, it's a fun part and a fun part of, like, all of our youth. And I just think it would be dope to bring it back in a great way and then and, and have the new generation have something like we did to, have, to look forward to. I think it would be dope. Just like Tiffany Amber Thiessen, I will serve as your manager on the sideline without even having to play. Oh, just keep nice. my number Not handy. even a problem. Not even a problem. <laughs> just bring her back to All right, so you've got us a lot of time. We're going to wrap up quickly. Uh, just to, to end, we're going to do a little match game here. Sports analysts always make comparisons between players and players. You know, oh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Christophe Porzingis reminds you of Dirk Nowitzki or whatever. We want to give you some celebrity names, and you tell us if, you, if it's okay – what NBA player do they resemble on the court? Okay. All right, so Adam's going to take it away. Ready, here we go. Number one, Dan Cortez. Who is his NBA equivalent? Uh, Steve Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. You know, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, who would be Mark Wahlberg? I would say Mark Wahlberg would be like – you know who he'd be like? He'd be like my man uh, 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 that plays for Cleveland, Doug, the, 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 the Bovich. De, uh, Della Vadova? That guy, Matthew Della Vadova? because yeah, yeah, he's scrappy. <laughs> you, by scrappy, you mean dirty. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, and Bill, you had, to, you had to better be on Mark Wahlberg's shorts. He is wearing longer shorts than Jalen Rose was allowed to wear in college. How did that happen? I uh, know. That was back in the day, man. You could do that, bro. You'd probably be embarrassed to look at it now, but that's what it was. Yeah. All right. Uh, a few more. Flea. Flea would have to be Bozy, Bugsy Moe because he was so little. Yeah. <laughs> Flavor Flav. Uh, there's no NBA player for Flavor Flav. That's just, a, that's just a disaster. Just say mascot. He did. He did block a shot with a hockey stick in one game. That is a true story. <laughs> I saw that on YouTube. Uh, oh my god! Uh, it I was mean, a miracle. I mentioned him before. You said stick to the movies, but Leo DiCaprio. I don't know. He'd be like Luke Walton. You know, he was in the NBA, but it really wasn't that crazy. No. Luke Walton uh, doing an excellent job as interim head coach of the Golden yes, State Warriors. That's so right. we'll take that. As coach. But as a basketball player, does he have any highlights? Uh, no. No, no, sir. Uh, Queen Latifah. No, sir. Queen Latifah would be like, uh, I'm going to say that Carmelo, the mailman, powerful. Oh, good one. Uh, Michael Rappaport. He would have to be uh, a commentator, not not a basketball player. I have to do Who's my man that wears the crazy jackets? Craig the crazy Sager. on TNT. <laughs> Craig Sager. Yeah, Craig Sager. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I was going to say Rick Mahorn, who also played in a lot of these games. Nah, too. nah, 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 nah. At least Rick could play. Yeah, that's true. And finally, Bill Bellamy. Bill Bellamy, I want to say my game, if you're going to go old school, I'm going to say Penny Hardaway. Uh, if you're going to say compare my game to somebody that uh, from this era, I would say D-Wade. Like okay. I like, I like Penny Hardaway. You, had the, you kind of filled out a uniform just like Penny did. Um, you guys had the same You know build. what I mean? I was, 
when when the commercials was out for a minute, I was Anthony Hardaway for about two summers when they had the little Penny doll. Everybody <laughs> thought I was Penny. <laughs> Well, Bill, this has been great. We we love your work, as as Adam said. Um, you know, clearly not just the rock and jock, but uh, love your stand up, love your roles in movies. I think people can follow you on Twitter at Bill Bellamy. They should follow you on Instagram as well, also at Bill Bellamy. And we just can't thank you enough for coming on and, and making time to to relive some of these great memories. And Bill, we'd like to have you back to talk. We could do a full show on any given Sunday and who the best true athlete was on that cast. So please join us again. Oh, yeah, that'll be oh that'll be hot. We'll do that on the next one. That'll be hot. <laughs> right. Sounds good. Thanks, Bill. That's perfect. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, that's our show for this week. I want to thank everybody who listens to the show, you are all beautiful and unique sparkle ponies. To quote the very, very talented punter who provides the theme song for the show, Chris Cluey, please go on and subscribe to us, rate us, and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at JustNotSports. Email us tips, thoughts, and topics, JustNotSports at gmail.com. I want to give a huge shout-out this week to our guest, Bill Bellamy, the legend, the icon. Give a shout-out to Adam, who got Bill Bellamy but couldn't join for the rest of the show around the interview this week. Shout-out to Gareth. Shout-out to Joe Reed. Gareth, it's the end of the year. You got any resolutions for 2016? Uh, yeah. Let's. Uh, besides getting Chuck Connors on the show, it would be to book more guests on here and be a more regular contributor to the interviews. How about you? My 2016 resolution to just be more hardcore with emailing you guys about the show nonstop because Clipboard Brad just really felt like he milked it and loafed it. And uh, I'm going to go full Saban on 20 oatmeal cream pies on you guys next year. Joe, how about talking more on Mike, Joe? That sounds good. I, I, could, I could work on that. You're a man of few words, but many smiles bashfully into your shoulder as you look embarrassed when I call you out on the show. I'm not going to try Adam's shout-outs this week. Uh, tune in early next year next week to hear more from uh, from him there. And I'll just end it by saying what Shaq did at the end of I Know I Got Skills. Booty rappers, in 2016, stay booty. Stay booty. Happy New Year, everybody. Come together right now.